everyone, welcome to another episode of the Rodcast. Uh, Adrian here and I'm connecting with Pastor Rod. Uh, hey. So good to be connecting and chatting today, Pastor Rod. Uh, so today Great. we're going to be looking yeah. at the overarching message that we teach and preach at Lifehouse and just how it interacts and outworks in every area of our life. So it's going to be a great episode. And so just to kick it us kick us off, Pastor, what is this overarching message that we teach and preach and live out at Lifehouse Church? We just love the New Testament teaching that Jesus invites us to be called the sons of God or sons and daughters of God. It's just amazing. We're called. We're called to become sons and daughters. And um, I've got two sons. I love them so dearly. They're part of my family and my life and one day my inheritance. And so the picture of being sons uh, with a wonderful father is such a great New Testament picture of what Mm -hmm. Jesus has done for us on the cross and resurrection. So the overarching picture is that we're not slaves anymore. We're not Mm -hmm. under the law. We're not under the the slavery to law. We're under the family invitation. We're under the the, the um, supernatural impartation to be sons and daughters of God. And as I start this, or as we start this, let me just say the word sons um, in the, both the Greek and the Hebrew language. Um, if you have a male in the group, it, it reverts to a male term. So sons does include daughters. And it's really important that the girls hear this in the message when they talk about becoming sons of God. Probably the English translation, children of God, is the best translation of that. And so if you want to read sons of God in your Bible, please go ahead. But girls, please uh, interpolate that to be, that's us. That's the men and the women, the boys and the girls, all one in Christ. It's a very big part of the, the teaching um, I just needed to point that out, that we're all the sons of God. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, yeah, I love this message. And we see that uh, one of the key things that Jesus talks about is he, he talks about the Father so much. I think he's, he introduces us to the Father and he often speaks to God as the Father. So can you elaborate a little bit more on this message of grace, this message of being yeah. sons and daughters of God and even pull out some key scriptures? Yeah, the, the Old Testament is so so wonderful talking about the love of God for his people. Mm. Uh, and a number of times it does start to introduce the concept of God as Father, but it doesn't fully develop it till we hit the New Testament. And all of a sudden we're reading Jesus talking about the Father, the Father, the Father. I, I hear that I do what the Father wants me to do. And in the book of John, the, the simple one gospel of John, I think Jesus mentions the word Father 100 times plus. Mm. And so the New Testament is is an explosion of this revelation that God is a good father. He's an amazing father. He, mm. you know, for uh, he he just calls us and wants us and 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 reaches us, and then we become his, and he wants to develop us. And the New Testament is not about being slaves to the law, uh, whether it's Moses or whatever law. It, it's being uh, supernaturally infused with the spirit of the father the spirit of god mm. the spirit in in us he lives in us and we become the sons of god i'm getting excited we become <laughs> supernaturally without law without effort by grace which is the word you you picked up there by grace we mm. come into this beautiful relationship with with a wonderful god and mm. if i could even bring up a scripture right now because we're going to go there we're going to talk about some scriptures 
Um, mm. One of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 1.5. I, I would say anyone in Lifehouse really should read this over and over. It says, in love, we've been predestined for divine adoptions as sons or children to himself through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, that is a big sentence with a lot of big concepts. Let me break it down. God wanted you. <laughs> God really wanted you. Mm. It, it, is the, it is the verse that sort of draws it out, but it's, it's, it's this incredible sense that you've been chosen mm. by, by choice, but more than by choice, by desire. It mm. talks about his goodwill. It talks wow. about his emotions. It talks about um, his will, which is his planning. But all of these things through Jesus Christ uh, all happens by grace that we are adopted into the family of God. And this, this changes. You know, when I became a believer when I was 19, I came from a family without a, my father at home and growing up, and mm. I didn't really understand the Father God that much. But when I got saved, born again, it started to, um, well, more than started, it was a, a catalyst for me to understand the family of God, the love of God, the love of the Father. It, it was a process, but I, I really started to get it supernaturally, which is grace. Mm. So we don't become the sons or daughters of God by effort. We become mm-hmm. the sons and daughters of God by believing, which is a great scripture that we actually read also in John 1, 12. It says, for those who believe in his name, he gives the authority, the right to become the children of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great scripture for us today as we talk about becoming sons because there's a battle about in our brain about do I deserve it? Am I good enough? Does he really love me? What if bad things happen? And all these mind uh, you know, squiggly thoughts come in to try and bring us back to law or mm. try and bring us back to condemnation. Um, and the devil jumps on all that. So yeah. we need to be really clear that we're saved and become sons and daughters by believing, mm. by believing, by believing in Jesus and what he's done for us. And it's a supernatural work of grace that we need to get a hold of. Mm. So yeah, grace is a sure. huge part of this message, isn't it? It is. It's so great. And you you mentioned John, John one twelve, and I think just a few verses later it says that through Moses uh, we we get the law, but through Jesus grace and truth came. And it also says that yeah. we have received grace upon grace. And so, could you elaborate yeah. a little bit more on this difference between God yeah. bringing law and bringing yeah. grace and truth through Jesus? Well, we're thankful to the law, and it says in Romans the law is good because the law brings us to an understanding of, of, of God's heart, God's ways, and also how we fall short of that and we reach to God for help. So the law has a great purpose in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful we have the law in the world. In you know, Do not murder, do not cheat, do not steal, do not commit adultery, are just huge universal principles probably mm. in every culture. And so the law is good. But the problem is that we think that by the law we come to God. But no, that the law of Moses is, a, is to show us that we, we need another way, that, yeah. that we, Paul says we can't. In mm. fact, in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, Paul, who was the Pharisee of the Pharisee, he was the Jewish leader of the Jewish leaders of, of teachers, he said no one, no one can be justified through the law. And he's mm. speaking from, hey, I, I, I was there. 
I was at the mm. top. I was I was at the top of my game. And and let me tell you, nobody gets there through law. That's that's Romans three twenty. Romans three twenty one. It says, but now through Christ we have grace. Mm. And so there's a very clear teaching there. It's it's huge actually. It's actually the divider mm. of the book of Romans. Yeah. The concept of uh, law, 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 and we're 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 hopeless and we're we're debased and we're we're in trouble. And then mm. chapter three, verse twenty-one. But now, but now through Christ, and it's a change point. And mm. I think we need to get the change point in our hearts, right? That yeah. um, we need to. No, but now through yeah. Christ mm. we receive. And so I think getting back to what you, you the scripture you're mentioning there in in John chapter one, it says Mo- Moses brought the law. But through mm. Christ, grace was given. Look at mm-hmm. the wording there. You can't deserve grace. You yeah. have to receive grace. Um, yeah. And then this concept of grace after grace, which is such a strange, um, even in the, in the Greek, it, it's a strange, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's just a strange sentence. Mm. It, it actually says grace replacing grace, replacing grace, replacing grace, there's a few ways when you look that up to understand it, but I think it means it just never runs out. It yeah. just it's just grace after grace, and I think I've yeah. done something too bad. But there's there's grace after grace, and mm. um, it's an incredible comparison to the law, which has such high standards and high penalties. Yeah, but grace after grace is the way God wants His children to live now. When we start talking about this this incredible sense of grace, I know some people will start saying, "Well, does that mean that we can get away with anything?" My answer to that is, you don't. You haven't received grace, because grace is mm. not something to play with. Grace is a change. Yeah. That when I'm impacted by grace, and I I know I can't repay God, mm. the the heart should move to thankfulness. Yeah. So. Having grace after grace doesn't mean I can sin after sin, yeah. although I will sin again, of course. I don't want to, but I will. Mm. But it does mean this unlimited grace is now a flow, a river. Yeah. It's a river of grace now. It just replaces itself. Yeah. And that means I become thankful and I become uh, submissive to God's ways because I say, Lord, there's no other way but your grace. It's your grace. Yeah. and. And we're starting to flow now with grace in. And then the final point of grace in is grace out, that we, it actually changes the way we, yeah. we see people. That's sure. a different subject. Mm. But I think that this living as sons and daughters of God does not mean we become selfish sons and daughters. It doesn't yeah. mean we become lawless sons and daughters. It mm. means we become everything that God wanted us to be as sons and daughters. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's so that, good. <laughs> that the nature of God is now impacted in mm. our heart and soul and spirit, and yeah. we're actually different people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, again, I remember that when I first got saved, I was 19, and I'd lived a life of, of self and sin. And the moment I received Jesus, I was filled with his love on that night, and I hadn't done a good thing yet. Mm. <laughs> I, I hadn't had the chance to, to yeah. say, God, I'll change, or God, I'll do something good. No mm. chance. It was a supernatural yeah. intervention of grace and I, that really hit me and I, it's what i want to teach people even if you've come from a christian background like you have adrian that, that we need to have a revelation of this grace don't we mm, yeah that we know we're saved by grace 
but there's that revelation. Let, let me just throw it on to you as, you know, coming you coming into this 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 concept. Mm. How has that helped you as a Christian, like grew up in a good Christian family, mm. had your own relationship with Jesus, but then you've had a, more of a revelation of grace, haven't you? Yeah, I think I, I continue to grow in this revelation because I guess I think the idea of, I think the idea of er, uh, earning salvation was something I, I understood from a young age, you can't earn salvation. So it's a gift of grace. But I think continuing in that grace has been a, a different kind of uh, revelation for me. Because I think I had the concept of, okay, I'm saved by grace. Now I need to work hard to kind of become more like Jesus. And I need to work hard to to be a better person. But understanding that uh, one of the key scriptures that really helped me was out of Titus, where it says this grace of God has appeared to us. Now it's teaching us to live yeah. upright and godly lives. So it's no longer, it's not law that's teaching me. It's not like I'm reading a bunch of law that says, okay, this is what I need to do. But it's grace teaching mm. me. And I think for me, that concept is this transformation that happens. And I'm realizing that when I when I've sinned or when I recognize an area of my life that is not the way that Jesus is and the way that Jesus wants me to live, like in the past, I was like, okay, I just need to strive to be better. But now I'm realizing what I need to do is just say, God, like yeah. this area of my life I need help with. Like, and, mm. and in that mm. way, I feel more empowered to do it. And I, yeah, I think one of my favorite stories is like the story of uh, Zacchaeus in the Bible. <laughs> just that yeah. absolute corrupt dude who was just like making a lot of money by corruption. He was open to bribes. Just he would do anything to make money. But one day he has an encounter with Jesus and Jesus extends honor to him. Jesus mm. says to him, I need to come to your house, Zacchaeus, which to have Jesus come to your house was a massive honor. And Jesus doesn't get to the door and say, Zacchaeus, go and sort out all these things before I come to your house. He just goes in. And the moment Jesus comes into Zacchaeus' house, he experiences that grace. And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus, this corrupt, greedy guy, becomes this guy who says, I'll give half of what I earn I've ever made to the poor. I'm going to pay back everyone I've wronged four times as much. And that for me is like, that's how you become a person that is more like Jesus is not through trying mm. to impress God, but by receiving that love from God. So Zacchaeus yeah. received the honor that Jesus gave him. Jesus called him by his name, which means pure, and he honors him by that. Where everyone else is calling him a, a notorious sinner and all these words, yeah. Jesus just says, "Hey, Zach, you're pure, man. I love mm. you, and I'm, I need to come. And, I need to come to your house." And that's what grace does when we open up yeah. our hearts and grace comes in. I'm changed and I want to live a different life. It's like this yeah. transformation happens. So yeah, it's really impacted my life. And yeah. I think also something that you've taught, which I've loved is sometimes when I, <laughs> I've i skipped, skipped praying for a few days or haven't read my Bible for a few days in the past, I used to feel so bad. Like, oh, I'm such a bad Christian. But actually, it's like, no, what, what you've been teaching is if you've done that, just just pick up the Bible and start reading. Don't feel bad about it. And yeah. I think that's just been such a liber liberating mm. message and, and a way to live. So, yeah. That's great. <laughs> great hearing your testimony. And just mm. another testimony that I, I, I love throwing into this discussion on Revelation of Grace is we've got a great pastor, a uh, Japanese mm. pastor. Um, I can tell you his story. It's Nobuki, who's our great pastor in Sendai. 
And obviously, Christian Christian child made his own decision. Loves the Lord, really, really great marriage, a great man, and pastoring. And one day he rang me uh, on the phone and said, "Pastor Rod, Pastor Rod, I, I've got grace." <laughs> and I said, "That's great. Uh, can you explain what you just said? Because you're a pastor." <laughs> he said, "I've got it. I've got this understanding of being sons, the son of God now." He said, "When I, when I used to read the Bible." Or, or didn't, like you're saying, is filled with um, things I've got to do or mm. what if I didn't do something? Mm. And it was like every every time reading the Bible was more things I had to do. He said, but mm. all of a sudden I realized that I'm a son of the Father and the Father is saying to me, read the word because I want to speak to you, my son. Mm. I want to speak to you today. And the voice of the Father is a good voice and it's encouraging and lifting. And, yeah, sometimes a little bit correcting, but it's mm. always for a better a better future. And and Nobik said, I've got it. I understand. And I, he said, I just love the Bible more than ever because I lip, open it up and say, my father, speak to me today about something. And and that's mm. that that move from, even though he was def- definitely a great Christian man, uh, a mm. revelation of grace. Yeah. That that reading the Bible is a is a an exercise in, in more grace, isn't it? Grace after yeah. grace, read the word, get some more grace. Yeah. Um so this is a great discussion. Mm. Uh, this, this, um, I think we're going to talk more, more about this on another occasion, actually. I think we're going into that area of the <laughs> outworking, but how can you not yeah. talk about the outworking of this concept? But yeah. maybe we need to get back to the concept of adoption in a minute. If you want to ask yeah. a question, I'll answer there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think in some cultures, adoption is 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 celebrated in some cultures it's not but could you yeah. speak a little bit more about like i know that the audience that paul and all those guys are writing to are mostly jews and so they had a certain concept of adoption that it wasn't something lesser than a son born into the house but it was something equal and yeah. that concept of because uh, there is this biblical concept that we are just like Jesus, which as a son, which is a mind-blowing yeah. concept. So can you yeah. elaborate more on that? Yeah. The the Old Testament um, doesn't mention the word adoption at all, but there are mm. examples of it. For example, Mordecai adopting Esther and changing her whole life. It says her parents died. Um, it doesn't say adoption, but there was that concept of bringing in. Mm. So the Old Testament, uh, I guess another one would, would be Naomi with Ruth, um, not her daughter, but brought her in as her daughter back to Israel. Mm. The concept of adoption to the Old Testament was very natural. Yeah. If someone in your family died, you you brought the family, you brought them in. And there mm. are some cultures today. I've lived in some of those cultures where um, adoption is just so part of life. Uh, mm. You you bring in the family member that needs help, and even if the parents are not passed away, but you need to care for that child. They you they grow up in your house. Mm. Um, they can always return to their own house. It's not like um, you know taking someone's child, but it's very organic mm. and it's beautiful to watch. Yeah. So that's the Old Testament. When it comes to the New Testament, we do hear the word adoption. And so the, mm. as you said, the, the 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 Jewish world of Paul's day. Well, let's let's also talk about the bigger world, the Roman Greek world mm. of Paul's day had so much adoption that it was really a part of normal life. But mm-hmm. most of the adoptions, the parents were still living. And so, for example, even a number of the the Roman emperors, uh, Nero was one and others, um, even Caesar, 
Julius Caesar. I think he adopted his um, nephew or his wife's nephew or someone to to be. I think it was Claudia to be the uh, the next emperor. But he mm-hmm. had to adopt him to do that. There had to be an adoption. So the Roman concept of adoption was often for honor, for family, for inheritance. But it doesn't mean they necessarily lost their old family, but they mm. lost their old family name. That is true. Mm. So adoption to Paul, where he brings up here in Ephesians 1.5, let me read again the scripture. He's, God has, in love, predestined us for a divine adoption. The, mm. the only concept that people would have is, wow, this is like the emperors. This is like the leaders yeah. bringing in someone for the benefit of everybody. Mm. Because when you were adopted, there was a huge benefits, huge mm. benefits. Yeah. And um, I just uh, was, was reading, you know, a number of things and um, just just read one, 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 one uh, quote here by a commentator called Clinton. It says, God not only chose us to be in Christ, but at the same time, he decided to bring us into a relationship with himself that could best be described through the metaphor of adoption. Mm. So... It's a picture. Yeah. And, and, and when Paul's audience heard the picture, mm. it's a really good picture. And it also meant these things. And, and I, I'm just going to read. If, uh, I'm, I'm not going to read. I'm going to quickly say there were four main things when you were adopted in the Roman law. Number one, you, the old family debts were gone. Mm. That's a pretty important one. All my past and my sin and, and yeah. pain is got the the new family supersedes the old family in terms mm. of debts. Number yeah. two, you become an heir to a new family estate, and this is what it says that we are co-heirs with Christ, which is pretty amazing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. wow, crazy. Um, or the prodigal son story. Come mm. and come and come back, my my prodigal son, mm. into the family. Like you actually take on back the, or take on the 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 new inheritance. Number three. The, the, the old life is actually wiped out. So mm. if, if you look at a, a, someone's um, what, what, whatever crime they've committed or whatever misdemeanor, that must be expunged under Roman law. It must be actually gone, mm. er, erased. So no one can come back at you with something from the old life. And then number four, in the eyes of the law, the adopted person was literally and absolutely the son of the new family. Now, this relates to us incredibly in our relationship with the Father, doesn't it? Like yeah. my, old, my old life's expunged, forgiven through Christ. Mm-hmm. I have an inheritance now. I, I now take on the family name. God is my Father. I, I belong to Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. And, uh, and the old can't come after me anymore. The devil can't come after me anymore. The, the, yeah. the analogy here is so rich and deep. It's, it's an incredible concept that yeah. Paul uses so I know in today's world there are some people who may be adopted or um, uh, know someone and, and there was like a hunger to know the original. Mm. And, and that is totally normal and human and we would, we would encourage that if that's the right yeah. thing. And there's, but in the Roman law that what Paul's talking about, um, there was no like erasing of, of whatever happened in the past in terms of memory. Yeah. Like you know who who your parents were or whatever, mm. but there was an expunging of any penalty or pain. Yeah. Sure, isn't that an incredible concept? Yeah, that that when we're adopted into the family, 
I, I belong to my own family, the Plummer family, and I love my mm. family. My my parents have passed away, but I love them, and we've all had issues and problems. But we've, you know, that's I I, I don't lose my natural family, mm. but I don't have the penalties of my natural family. Yeah. I don't bring in the curse. Yeah. I don't bring in the the whatever the sins it is. Of the fathers, <laughs> the sins of the father has been expunged. Yeah, and I think it's really important, actually, to when mm. we talk about this concept of curses, family curses, that they should yeah. be expunged at salvation or taught that it's gone. Mm. That I don't have to do things to get my curses expunged or, or dissolved. I just need to have faith in Jesus. Yeah, um, and the curse is 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 gone, is dissolved. Mm. Pretty amazing, because now I'm in the new family. Yeah. <laughs> so isn't that some incredible teaching there? It's, it's, and it says in love. God yeah. chose you to come into this adoption adoption system. Wow. Yeah, it's so good. So it's not just a, a clinical decision that the father made, like, oh, this is the most logical thing to do. It was a yeah. it was a something from his heart. It was a yeah, yeah, I want this, I desire it. And yeah, I think it, this idea of adoption is uh, I just love it because even when I was in South Africa, uh, we for a few years I worked with a non-profit organization that specialized in adoption and you could see you could see the powerful impact of adoption so you would get a child that was abandoned left on a trash heap brought to the yeah. police uh, uh abandoned nobody wanted that child and brought it into this organization and they were brought up and and then adopted into a family and then years later you get these photographs of this child that's just beautiful yeah. has it has a, a family, um, it has great education, it's got new opportunities in life, and, and it's kind of like they've been brought into this family uh, of blessing. Mm. Um, and so I love that concept of adoption is that we, um, we, are, we, we may be born into, you may not be born into a perfect situation, but you can be brought mm. into this incredible yeah. family of God, which is yeah. just the most liberating, life-giving family. Yeah. And, and on top of all that, you didn't do anything to deserve it. I didn't do, do anything yeah. to deserve it. We were chosen to be in that yeah. new family. And that's what you're yeah. saying, that everyone needs to know that they, they're wanted. Yeah. They were desperately wanted by God. Yeah. He loves us. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Mm. And just now, um, I would love to just ask some questions about like, you've taught before on sanctification, holiness, these kind of yeah. concepts. And a lot, a lot of, I think sometimes people have thought this is a process, yeah. but you've also spoken about how holiness and sanctification is a moment. It's those words, yeah. justification, sanctification, holiness is a powerful moment. Um, so maybe you could share a little bit about that. And then also, how do we, there's also a concept in the Bible of us becoming more like Christ in this process. And how does mm. grace and being sons of daughters play out in this whole yeah. Well, some big <laughs> theology, some big concepts. The word holy in the Bible means special. It mm. means set apart for special use. The first use of the word holy was when God uh, created um, the Sabbath in, in Genesis 2, and he called, it, he called it holy. He called it special. Mm. I think something is holy when God says it's holy. When God declares something holy, it's holy. Mm. And, and, and so the word holy doesn't mean 100% or pure or without defect. It means 
special. God yeah. declares something special, and God declares us special when we come to Christ and we are forgiven. We are now holy. Mm. And the word sanctification and justification comes into English from both the Latin and the German languages. I mean, it's actually the same Greek word from holy. It actually means the same things. It, it really means we are, we, are, we are special, we're made right, we're made... And righteousness is a different word, but righteousness means being right with God. Mm. Now, you can't be a son of God and be like righteous one day and not righteous the next. That doesn't make sense. You're in the family. You know, it'd be mm. like me saying to my boys one day, you're not in, you're not in the family, see ya. Mm. Next day, oh, you're back in the family, you've been a good boy. You know, and and this is what the devil would want us to think, that we're in and out with God. We're yeah. in and out of favor, in and out of grace. No, no, righteousness mm. is a state. It's it's a position. Mm. It's a standing. I am righteous and I'm 100% righteous because of Jesus. Yeah. You see, some Christians, they might have a bad day and they say, you know, today I'm feeling about 40% righteous. But tomorrow <laughs> is coming. I can go to church. I can be 80% righteous. Hmm. Or if I pray a lot, I can be maybe 90% righteous. And if I don't, I might slip back. That whole system is not biblical. There is no Bible concept for that. Hmm. That is law. What grace is saying is that when you come to Christ, you go from zero righteousness to 100% righteous. There's only hmm. two options. Yeah. And so when I became a Christian, like I said, at 19, I hadn't done one good thing. I hadn't done one change in my hmm. life except Receive Jesus. Yeah. And I went from zero to 100% righteous in a moment mm. because of grace. And I've had that revelation that, mm. that righteousness comes from Jesus. Yeah. And, and holiness is when God says you're holy. Mm. When is that? When you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the special spirit of God mm. who lives in our heart, and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's called being born again, new nature, new in Christ, becoming sons and daughters of God. Mm. Now, this is really important. Maybe next time we're going to talk about this, the outworking of that in prayer yeah. and in Bible reading and stuff that's so powerful. Mm. But I think just, just to, to finish off here today, everybody who knows Jesus here, who loves Jesus, is righteous mm. and is holy and so the concept of growing in Christ, which is the last part of your question, is a different Bible concept, and that is to do with renewing the mind. That's mm. to do with knowing his word and following his word. There, that's to do with uh, being healed internally. And uh, th there's, a, there's, a, there's a healing and there's a growth and there's a becoming like Christ is different. Yeah. That's our walk in Jesus. And so in Ephesians 1, we're reading here, we become sons and daughters. By the time we hit Ephesians 4, it says, so therefore, walk as sons and good daughters of God. Yeah. Walk like it. Grow yeah. up in it. And then it says in Ephesians 6, fight like it, not against yeah. people, but against spiritual powers. Yeah. Fight like the right things in life. So there's a growth curve yeah. that occurs but it's not linked to righteousness and it's not linked to holiness, mm. but it is linked to destiny, living as sons and daughters of God, growing up, just like my two boys had to go through grade school, so we go through the grade school of the Holy Spirit. Mm. But that doesn't affect my daily 
level of righteousness or grace. Yeah. I'm walking in that all the time. Yeah, awesome. And I guess it's that concept of that you outwork this growth and this maturity as a son. So it's not like yeah. you you are you are empowered by the the grace of God. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit living inside of you to do these things. So it's not a it's not a self effort thing, but it's something that's that I'm being empowered by. So that's yeah. great. Well, it's been an awesome discussion, mm. Pastor Rod. And we oh, next wow. episode we're going to be talking about more about the outworking of this in the, how do we grow and mature and prayer and all of these great concepts. So it's looking forward to that. So would you love to pray for us and then we can finish yeah. off? Lord, I pray for all those here who are sons and daughters of God and we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done on the cross and resurrection. We receive the right, we receive what you have for us to be the sons and daughters of God. So Lord, I pray we would live with that revelation of grace after grace and be changed by that grace, impacted by the grace so that we will love you more, thankful, following you out of love, not out of law. I pray for those today hearing that might not yet be believers, that they would know that this is not a religion. It's not a set of rules. It's an absolutely supernatural moment with Jesus that will change their lives and they will ask for forgiveness and receive that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you next episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Pastor Rod, why don't you subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this, and we'll see you next time.